Well, welcome to this week's episode of The Space In Between, where our focus is on music and what we're listening to. Music is a reflection of both our history as well as our social consciousness. It helps us make sense of the world and to make personal connections with it. Perhaps more than any other art form, music is evocative. It triggers vivid memories of childhood, our families falling in love, loss, sadness, and joy. It forces us to look at ourselves and to remember who we were and who we are now. Music always makes me feel connected in a Jungian sort of way. It makes me realize the struggles I have are not mine alone. They are shared. And simply recognizing this makes me feel less alone and ultimately better. I'm a big fan of the blues. In the late 70s and early 80s, I lost my connection with popular music. It just didn't resonate with me anymore. And so, as great bluesmen Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee said in one of their songs, I became a white boy lost in the blues. And I began to seek out roots music wherever I could find it. Fortunately, Toronto in the early 80s was a place where the great blues artists were readily accessible to me in a number of small venues. I had the chance to see and meet some of the greatest blues artists of our time. Buddy Guy, Junior Wells, Albert Collins, Fenton Robinson, Sun Seals, and a great many others. And this happened before what I will call the blues renaissance, which occurred in the 90s when popular artists, realizing the contribution these aging blues artists had made to the world of music, began to appear as guests on their records, and thereby raise awareness of this art form and these great artists in the minds of a white listening audience. Blues music has often been misunderstood by white audiences. So here's a little bit of history. The etymology of the blues dates back to the 17th century and the English expression, the blue devils, which refers to the intense visual hallucinations that can accompany severe alcohol withdrawal. It was shortened over time to the blues, and it came to mean a state of agitation or depression. Blue was slang for drunk by the 1800s. And the link between blue and drinking was captured in blue laws that prohibited Sunday alcohol sales in certain states. By the turn of the century, a couple's dance that involved slowly grinding hips together, called the blues, or the slow drag, was popular in southern juke joints. A rural juke would be jammed on weekends with couples getting their drink on, doing the pre-coital shuffle to the accompaniment of bluesmen on guitars. Today, we associate the blues as music composed with 12 bars. This 12-bar format was introduced by W.C. Handy in his 1912 composition, Memphis Blues. Handy did this to create a level of structure and perhaps a degree of professionalism to the music form. However, many of the great bluesmen, like John Lee Hooker, never adhered to the 12-bar format. He sang and played strictly according to how he felt at that moment in time. And although Hardy imposed a somewhat artificial structure on blues music, the typical three-line blues verse did emerge from the call-and-answer-response songs made up by slaves in the fields. West Africans working American fields did what they would have done back at home. They improvised songs to the rhythm of the task at hand. The lead singer repeated a line twice to give another singer time to improvise a response. 
So here's the rub. While blues themes tend to focus on feeling blue about things that are happening in one's life, the thrill is gone, baby please don't go, the sky is crying, etc., the blues are about acknowledging our pain and our feelings of loss, and by doing so, lifting us up and making us feel better. This episode of The Space in Between celebrates the spirit of the blues. Here we are with another episode of The Space and our second installment of what we're listening to, given the um, success we've had with Pass the Jam and people's interest in music, we thought we'd return to this uh, series and talk about what we're listening to. So, Cam, over to you. What are you listening to? Blake, recently I was surfing the net looking for uh, different things to check music documentary-wise. I came by a Martin Scorsese documentary done quite a few years ago on George Harrison called Living in the Material World. Mm. So I went on and uh, discovered it was on Crave HBO. Also, if anybody streams any music stations, it's a staple on any one of those. So I started watching it, and it just got me into the the quiet Beatle. When the Beatles started, of course, John Lennon and Paul McCartney were the big songwriters. And over the course of their career, Harrison got the odd song in there. Right. Actually, most notably, a song called Something, which he wrote about wife Patty Boyd. Yeah, and my uh, guitar and gently which, weeps. Yeah, and my guitar gently weeps. In fact, Something was a song that Frank Sinatra ended up uh, covering and calling the best love song ever written. So I got into George, went on Spotify, went on Google, and just started uh, YouTube and checking out some of his music. And, of course, he had a big success with another band later that we all know about called the Traveling Wilburys. But in between there, his work with Tom Petty, his work with Jeff Lynne, it stands alone. And when he left the Beatles, because he had such a backlog of material, he released a triple disc called All Things Must Pass. I remember that Which one. was the most, most successful Beatles solo album out of the gate, right? Yeah, it was a great record. Great record. Clapton played on it. Phil Collins played on it before he was really Phil Collins. Ray Cooper, just a whole bunch of people. And, so, to, and he got sued for the uh, song My Sweet Lord. Yes, yes, which I'm, Lennon made a comment about. Lennon said, like, he should have known about that because it was a Sherelle song. that he, They said that it was a not an intentional lift. But when you listen to He's So Fine, and folks... Warning here, Cameron's going to sing. He's so fine, right? My sweet load. He was, he paid some damages, but it wasn't a big slap. It was more like a slap on the wrist. But some great stuff there, both solo, of course, something I mentioned with the Beatles, and then all the great stuff with the Wilburys. Yeah. Yeah. Those uh, two Wilbury records were fabulous. They really were good. And a favorite of both of ours, Jim Keltner's little, a little bit known as the drummer of that band. Of course, all the other people, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, the late Roy Orbison, were all sort of big figures. But Jim Keltner actually figures quite a bit in the documentary, the Scorsese documentary, giving quite an insight into Harrison's career. I remember reading a lot about George Harrison in Eric Clapton's biography. Of course, Eric Clapton was in love with George Harrison's wife and wrote a number of songs about that yeah. love affair. He ended up night. actually... If you want to say stealing his wife, yeah. he left Harrison and married Clapton. Those two were very good friends. Wrote one of my favorite uh, rock songs, Batch, together. I've gone back to the blues and I started to look at some, some new blues albums or relatively new blues albums. And the one that I want to talk about now is called Tajmo. 
and it's a joint album by American blues musicians Taj Mahal and Keb Moe. It was released in 2017 and won the 2018 Grammy Award for the Best Contemporary Blues Album. It's wow. the uh, yeah, it's a 26th album of Taj Mahal's and the 13th of Keb Moe's. They're two huge talents. I've always been a Taj Mahal fan and a Keb Moe fan, so hearing them together is just fantastic. This is a great album. It's not what I would call a hardcore blues album. It's more of a roots folk blues record, but it is really tremendous. Taj Mahal is such a musical historian and such a great player and entertainer. I have a great story about Taj Mahal. One of the first times I saw him, and it was at the uh, Toronto Blues Festival, the now defunct Toronto Blues Festival, which eventually became the Ottawa Blues Festival. But I saw him there and he was playing outside and he arrived, but his band didn't. So it was just Taj Mahal on the stage. His band was stuck at the border, so he had to play the whole show by himself. And I realized what an incredible musician he was. He literally plays everything, piano, uh, harmonica, guitar, um, banjo. He's a virtuoso and an incredible entertainer and really understands the blues at a very deep level. It's a really great album. The tunes that really stood out for me were not necessarily their tunes, but they do a great version of Waiting on the World to Change, the John Mayer song. I thought, oh, love that. Absolutely fantastic. Again, another version of Diving Duck Blues, which Taj Mahal has performed many times, but I really like this version. And the big surprise for me was a version of The Who's Squeeze Box, a song wow. I never liked very much when The Who did it. As far as I'm concerned, sorry, Pete, but these guys blow me out of the park with their version of Squeeze Box. It's a great album. Appearances by Bonnie Raitt, Joe Walsh, Sheila E., Highly recommend it. You want to hear a fantastic blues album that's been highly acclaimed? This is the one for you. Do you remember, Blake, years ago when you were still in Ontario, you and Sharon, and I'm not sure who I went with, but we went down to, I think it was this Harborfront Band Shell. Yeah, well, that was it. Kevmo that's the thing I was talking about. Cobb, yeah. That's when you're talking about. Yeah. Kevmo and, and Taj Mahal, Double Bill. Yeah, that was the second year. The first year I just saw Taj on his own there. But you're right, the second yeah. time was. And that may have been one of the very first times the two of them ever played together. Yeah, that was great. It was just an amazing concert. One of my favorites. Yeah, mine too. What else you got? You know what? My, my nephew was always great in turning me on to music. And years ago, turned me on to a band called the Black Keys. And they recently came out with a new release called Delta Cream. I think you'd like it. It's a little bit bluesy, a little bit rock and roll, and it just cooks. In fact, I sent him a congratulations because his wife is pregnant again. And I said, oh, by the way, did you hear there's a new Black Keys? And I sent him the link on Spotify. He got back to me with not a, hey, thanks. We're really, we're really excited about the new baby. But it's like, oh, man, thank you for the Black Keys. Tip. This is amazing. <laughs> I've already downloaded it. They're just a great band. I think this is their first new release in a couple of years. And it just, it, if you've never heard the Black Keys, listen to it. You'll, you'll love it. It's great rock and roll. I hate to say classic rock and roll because it dates me, but it is that. It's like anybody says rock is dead. It's listen to some of these new bands. One of the bands, Black Keys. They are great. And I have heard a number of their records over the years. And I've always liked them. So when did this album come out? This actually is just coming out this month. So right now... Oh. All you can get is the single, uh, Delta Cream, uh, which is the title of the album. But it's out this month. Cool. So people should put that on their list. 
Definitely. What else has uh, caught your ear lately? New record by Chris Thomas King called Hotel Voodoo. Now, Chris Thomas King is the one blues musician that everybody knows that they don't realize they know because, of course, he starred in the film Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And he played Robert Johnson in that film and also recorded on the record. He's a really interesting guy. He calls himself the last of the 20th century blues discoveries. And a very interesting story behind him. So he came onto the music scene in the early 90s. And he really shocked the mainstream blues music crowd because he introduced hip-hop into blues music in a way that it turned the blues world upside down. I was reading a story that says the Blues Mafia, which is really a consortium of folklorists, record collectors, researchers, self-appointed arbiters of black music authenticity, who created this cartel trying to drive certain types of blues music to white rock fans. And they hated them. They felt betrayed by Chris Thomas King. They denounced him as a heretic. Wow. They banned him from festivals and theaters across the United States. What did he do? He moved over to Europe. And he became quite popular, particularly in France. And the French recognized him as this unbelievably gifted artist who was really trying to change blues music in a significant way. It wasn't until he got the role in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? that he came back to the United States. But he really is, I think, the most interesting blues artist out there today. I never knew I liked hip-hop music until Chris Thomas King came along. And he is a phenomenal guitar player. Um, he can play anything, from Jimi Hendrix, for raw rock and roll, distorted guitar work, to incredible, beautiful jazz. And in this particular record, he is trying to make the case that we've been misled about the roots of blues music, that they, it didn't originate in the Delta, in the Mississippi Delta, nor did it originate in Chicago. The roots of North American blues music was New Orleans, and that's where he's from. So the Hotel Voodoo record is a tribute to the blues in New Orleans, and it really is a super interesting record because it changes so much. It starts off, and a song that I thought was one of the best tunes on the album is Voodoo Child, which shows his crossover ability between blues and inner city hip hop. And then he wrote the tune called The Blues Was Born in Louisiana, and blues is spelled B-L-E-U-S. He's trying to make the point that blues came from New Orleans. And all of a sudden the record shifts over to like, real jazzy New Orleans style music featuring the clarinet, which is played beautifully by Gregory Agred and Owen Callahan. And it's silky smooth. You could be in a club in New Orleans. Absolutely fantastic. Then he jumps over and does the Adele song, Someone Like You, which kind of startles you. I have to say, I don't think he does it particularly well. It's really hard to do that song, Adele has such an amazing voice and has that young girl angst that I don't think Chris Thomas King has, but kudos to him for giving it a try. And then he does this song, which again is so off everything else, called American Man in the Key of Free, which to me it sounds like a cross between a 60s protest song and the tune La Bamba. Needless to say, it is a really interesting album very unique. I think it's well worth a listen. He's done so many great records over the years. And if people that love that 
crossover between blues and hip-hop, make sure you check out Dirty South Hip Hop Blues. It is really a, an eye-opener in terms of that genre. But great album. I love his music. I just think he is so different from every other blues guy out there. And he's always pushing the boundaries. He's never standing still. So again, I would highly recommend this record. If you love New Orleans jazz, if you love hip-hop, if you love the blues, you'll love this record. For me next, it's got to be Phoebe Snow. I discovered her years ago, but had never picked up anything of hers on CD. And I live in an apartment here in, in, in Toronto, and often people will recycle nice books, CDs, anything that's gently used. And so there was a pile of CDs down there the other day, and I picked up her greatest hits. And it was great hearing her music again. She's probably best known for uh, the song Poetry Man, as well as another song called Slow Burning Love. But she does a cover of a um, Paul McCartney song called Every Day, Paul McCartney Wing Song, Every Day, that McCartney absolutely loved. And she was really on the road to being very successful, gave birth to a, a special needs child, and basically was forced to retire to take care of that child. Her husband left her because things weren't perfect. And she ended up making a living by singing jingles and giving music lessons until the child was of a certain age where she could get back into it. And then by that time, she'd been out of the business so much. It was, uh, it was a stretch. I believe she won a Grammy for her greatest hits, but she's really fantastic. If you get a chance to listen to some Phoebe Snow, I'd Highly recommend uh, that you do it. Is she is she a folk artist? I mean, what what's her music style? More blues, more not more blues, more bluesy. She, I would lump her in with sort of the funkier bluesy stuff that maybe Joni Mitchell or Carly Simon has done. Maybe Tracy Chapman. She's got a pop sound, but uh, no, I wouldn't say folk. Not that anybody who liked folk wouldn't enjoy her music, but no, she's a little bit more funky, for lack of a better word. Hmm. How about you? What else have you got out there? Um, I've got a record by Eric Gales, also known as Raw Dog, and it's called the book. Oh, Raw Dog. Raw Dog. It's called the Bookends, and it was released in 2019. It's his 18th album. Now, this is an album that's a mixture of blues-based funk, rock, gospel, jazz. Gales is a really interesting guy. He's not my favorite guitar player, but I certainly recognize his brilliance. He's what's known as a guitarist guitarist. He recorded his first record at the age of 16. But what really grabbed me in this record was the playing of his brother, who plays the bass on this record. And the bass work is truly astounding. If you like people like Joe Bonamassa, you'll love this guy. He and Joe are, are friends. Eric Gales actually contracted COVID, and I know that Joe Bonamassa and a few other people did a crowdfunding um, initiative to raise money for him. He and his family contracted COVID. I believe they're fine now, but this was earlier on in the pandemic. To me, the best track on the whole record is an old one that we all know, A Little Help From My Friends, sung more on the lines of Joe Cocker's version, which I always thought was better than the Beatles anyway. But he's got a backup vocalist singing with him named Beth Hart, who will blow you away. She sounds like Janis Joplin in her prime. They do an amazing version of this song. A very interesting, sort of eclectic mix of musical styles. Top songs for me were obviously a little help for my friends, and then Something's Gotta Give, What You Gonna Do, and it just bees that way. Eric Gales is a phenomenal player. There's no doubt about it. He is considered by many to be one of the greatest guitar players out there. He can be pretty hardcore in his guitar work. 
And maybe that's why I'm not as big a fan of that type of playing. Other times when I find these guys go off on a tangent, goes on too long. And I'm always reminded of what B.B. King said. It's not how many notes you play, it's how you play the notes. But anyway, sure. I would highly recommend the record. If you like jazz, funk, heavy bass lines, this is a record for you. We're talking about COVID survivors. I'm not sure if you're aware that uh, the singer and 60s icon, uh, Marion Faithful at the beginning of the year got COVID and just sneaked through it. Now, she's battled heroin addiction and all sorts of other things. In fact, if you ever want to read a really great rock biography that looks at swinging London in the 60s, read her book, Faithful. But she's a COVID survivor as well as a heroin survivor. And some of her music is just raw. It's got some great rock and roll in there. In fact, when she came back into the music scene after beating heroin, she released an album called Broken English. Right, I remember that song. Yeah, yeah. and there was a great anti-Mick Jagger song, Why'd You Do It? But she's since worked with Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins. She's worked with Beck, not Jeff Beck, but the, the individual Beck. And I'd say check out Broken English, Dangerous Acquaintances. And actually, she's got a greatest hits album, too, of all her early 60s stuff, which is a fun party uh, party release. But yeah, she's somebody that I really respect. And again, great book, Faithful, if you ever want to read a, a great story, the 60s and uh, swingy 60s in London. What else are you listening to, sir? The final one I have, and this one was a real surprise for me, and I was completely blown away by these guys. And they are the Teskey Brothers, an Australian band. This is only their second album they've released. It's called Run Home Slow. It was released in August 2019. At the Area Music Awards in 2019, the album was nominated for seven awards, winning three Engineer of the Year, Best Group, Best Blues and Roots Album, this is a real melting pot of blues, soul, southern rock, gospel, folk. If you like Otis Redding, it reminded me of Otis Redding so much. And also, if you like Rod Stewart when he sang with the faces, if you like Joe Cocker oh, right. and Ray LaMontagne or Sam Cooke, you will fall in love with this record. It, As I say, it absolutely blew me away. And I was shocked to hear that it was only their second album. It's so polished, so well-produced, so many layers. I spoke to someone recently about the record, and they said that while they liked the record and the Teskey Brothers, they felt that the vocalist Josh Teskey sounds a bit the same on every tune. And while I can understand why they felt this way, I think you really have to listen to the record more closely to hear the subtle variances in his voice and the range of musical styles. There were times when I felt like I was listening to Otis Redding in the songs Let Me Let You Down, Carry You, and Rain, and then it flipped over to Sam Cooke in the song Man of the Universe, and then Joe Cocker on the song Paid My Heart, and then I heard Shades of Rod Stewart and the faces on the song Hold Me, and on the song San Francisco and Sunshine Come Easy, it was reminiscent of Ray LaMontagne. So a lot of variety in the songs, in the styles, that I think will appeal to people that like all of those artists I just mentioned. They have a song called That Bird with a guitar intro, which reminds me of mellow Jimi Hendrix, but then the song drops into something reminiscent of the Vaughn Brothers. Oh, that was yeah. a great album. This is an absolutely fantastic record. Highly recommend people pick this one up. My favorite tunes on the album, San Francisco and Sunshine Baby. I should mention that related to George Harrison, I was talking to a colleague yesterday who tells me this August, Peter Jackson, the director who did um, all the Hobbit movies, mm -hmm. is coming out with a big documentary on the Beatles, which he's got full access to apparently. 
called Get Back. So for Beatle fans out there, August should be a good month for you. Yeah, sounds good. Well, that brings me to the end of what I've been listening to. Again, it was very much a, a blues focus for me. Maybe that reflects the state we're in now with the pandemic. I have no hesitation in recommending all of these records. I really enjoyed getting back into the blues and, and um, hearing what uh, some of these artists are putting out these days, which I think is absolutely fantastic. This concludes this week's episode of The Space In Between. Join us next week for the next episode of For What It's Worth, where my guest is a well-known author, healer, and global futurist. Forbes magazine recognized her as one of the world's top 50 female futurists. In this up-and-coming episode, she gives us a sneak peek into her soon-to-be-released fifth book titled Fuck the Bucket List for the Health Conscious. Please join us for It Really Is All About You. For what it's worth.